Hi, everyone. Welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to this year's Oscars. I'm Nick Rohrkraut. And I'm Sophia Simonello. And we are back. Another Contenders episode. You heard our lead actor and actress categories, and now we'll be doing the supporting categories. So supporting actor, supporting actress. I feel a little stronger about these categories, so maybe I'll sound more enthusiastic. (laughs) How do you feel about these? I'm actually the opposite. I'm less enthusiastic about these than I am about lead. I feel like there are some performances that I'm really excited about and others where I'm just like, really? Mm -hmm. This is where we went? I think a positive here, we don't have any cases of category fraud, which is crazy. (laughs) A nice change of pace, right? I feel like that never happens. And as always on these episodes, what we'll do, we will go through each nominee for all of these categories, talking about precursors they hit, what we think of their performances. We will share what we think their Oscar clip should be, and then we will get into who our write-in vote would be, who we think should win, and who we think will win. As always, just a note to remember that our should win is just our personal preference. You can obviously have a different opinion, but... It's important to say that I think because weirdly supporting actor has been like kind of a fight online and I don't really understand it. I'm glad I'm staying away from that. I'm happy that you are because it's just been weird because Troy Kotzer and Cody Smith McPhee, who everyone are fighting over, are just lovely humans, both of them. And I'm like, you guys, these are two great contenders. Like, just chill out. Everyone needs to just like back off. (laughs) I think now that Euphoria is over, everyone just is trying to find another Cassie Maddie fight. Oh my god. Well, that fight is too... <laughs> I would rather watch a Cassie Maddie fight than a Troy and Cody fight because they're just like hugging and getting along great at these award shows. Well, let's get into the race that you're talking about, supporting actor. The nominees here, we have Kieran Hines from Belfast, Troy Kotzer from CODA, Jesse Plemons from The Power of the Dog. J.K. Simmons from Being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith-McPhee from The Power of the Dog. So as a group, how do we feel about these five? I think as a group, we have some really strong nominees here. And I would think Oscar nomination morning, I was most excited about the double Power of the Dog nomination that we got here. Getting Jesse Plemons and Cody Smith-McPhee in here not only shows the strength of The Power of the Dog, but also shows, I think, the actors branch and the academy's willingness to recognize subtle performances with some nuance in them and i was really excited also that jesse plemons and kirsten dunst were both nominated Mm -hmm. together for their first nominations Mm -hmm. so i think that was the big highlight and the takeaway from the day what about you well when we missed the penelope cruz javier bardem also you know their married nomination which is (laughs) even more exciting but i love that we have two couples going to the Oscars as double nominees. I think that's exciting that alone. I wish it were different and that I wasn't saying this, but none of them are the front runner. So maybe it's more of a like, you know, we're here, we're invited, let's have fun kind of a night. Mm -hmm. I wish that were different for Kirsten. We'll get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't expect Jesse to be the front runner for this performance, (laughs) (laughs) but Kirsten, yeah. It's upsetting. And as five, I'm very high and very low on this category on actress. Also, there's similarities with four of them being first time nominees and one of them having been a winner before. I think that's an interesting switch from our lead categories that we had. 
also with the stats that happen in those categories. So it's exciting. I'm glad we're getting these newcomers, not necessarily to film. I mean, Jesse Plemons was in a Best Picture nominee last year, so they're kind of all over the place. But it is kind of a diverse five that we get. Yeah. Let's get started with Kieran Hines, who plays Pop in Belfast. He's Buddy's grandfather. This is his first Oscar nomination, which is kind of crazy because he's had a really long career in Hollywood. I always think of Kieran Hines in There Will Be Blood, of course. Like, that's always the association that I have with him. And this season, he was nominated at the Golden Globes at the Critics' Choice Awards, and he also got a BAFTA nomination, and he won at NBR. What do you think of Kieran's nomination as Pop? Did it surprise you? I know how you feel about Belfast, but how do you feel about his performance in particular? Well, I think my thoughts about Belfast run into both of these nominees we'll be talking about today. I'm not super hot on this performance, only because it's pretty short and expected. We saw Belfast and immediately I was like, Judy, Kieran, it's going to happen You know, they're Mm -hmm. the old timers in the movie and it just felt right. And, you know, we've come and gone from a lot of our early predictions, but these are here to stay and (laughs) it is what it is. (laughs) For better or for worse. Exactly. We know Judy Dench as the winner of the shortest performance in Supporting Actress, and she does have the shortest screen time in her category, but the shortest performance of the year does go to Kieran Hines at 12%. Oh my god. Really? I think you can feel it. I mean, he is in a true supporting role and I think due to the nature of the movie how it's kind of just a lot of scenes and like vignettes strung together that he doesn't really I think have the opportunity to like build an arc as a character, but I think that a key event that happens to his character. I feel like everyone listening has probably seen Belfast, but just to be safe, I'm not going to spoil it. But this key event that happens to pop in the movie, I think is part of the reason why he's nominated. I do think he is the emotional core of the movie. While he doesn't have my favorite performance, I think he has a part in the movie that a lot of viewers can really respond to emotionally. He has a really special relationship with Buddy, and he brings a lot of humor into the role. And it's a type of performance that we see often in this lineup. So I have to agree, like, I'm also not surprised. Like, this is definitely a nomination that we both expected, and Mm -hmm. I'm totally fine with it being here. Like, is it my favorite in the category? No, but also I'm happy that Kieran Hines has his first Oscar nomination. And for my Oscar scene... I would do one of those scenes that you're talking about where he's with Buddy. My favorite part and maybe the funniest scene in the movie was when he tells Buddy to kind of scribble his numbers so Mm -hmm. he can do better on the math test and make the teacher work. Mm -hmm. So that grandfatherly advice was definitely the one thing that I really came away from this movie feeling that strong sense of family. Yeah, that's actually the Oscar scene that I chose for him too, because I was laughing a lot during that moment because his humor there, I mean, it reminded me of how I used to like interact with my grandfather, Mm -hmm. like just joking in a really similar way. Like it really, I think those scenes and his performance there really captures that type of relationship well. And I think that the following scene when we see that buddy fudging his numbers 
like his handwriting was actually that helped him to be successful in maths, mm-hmm. as they say, is really funny, I think. So I agree with you about that scene. Next up, we have Troy Kotzer from CODA. He plays Frank Rossi. This is his first Oscar nomination. And so far this season, he's been sweeping so many ceremonies. He was nominated for the Golden Globe, Critics' Choice, BAFTA, and then he won Gotham, SAG, and most recently, the Indie Spirit Awards. So I think the trajectory for him, you know, Cody had been winning a lot of the early critics' prizes, and then here comes Troy sweeping in at the end, coming and taking everything. So how do you feel about Troy's nomination compared to his previous work? I love this nomination. He was my favorite part of CODA. I loved him in this movie. I think that it's really exciting to like see him make history. He is an absolute trailblazer in the field. The fact that he's 53 years old and this is kind of his breakout performance mm-hmm. um, is really cool. And I think that it says a lot about the work that's available for deaf actors. And he's hardly brand new, but he was brand new to me. And I'm sure if we, like, if I go back through, I was looking at his IMDb because this was the first thing that I had really, like, seen him in and was really attached to him in. Mm -hmm. He's been in TV shows like CSI, Scrubs, but, like, Coda to me will be his role. And that's really cool because this role is so good. He gets to go from, like, I think you can look at it in a way that's, like, he's this typical dad that you get in these movies he's in like a heartwarming movie like tracy letts and ladybird or Mm -hmm. a character like that who you just love because of how they interact with their daughters in particular and i will always always be a sucker for a good father-daughter relationship in Mm -hmm. a movie and i feel like his performance is so strong and it's connecting with so many people because he can go from being absolutely hilarious and like just like making sex jokes and just like talking about tinder at the table and like fully out of control being this like very gregarious father Mm -hmm. to being really emotional and supportive and there for his daughter and being able to do that within a film that's the length that coda is like it's a pretty short film but he was the performance i left the film thinking about and when i think about the film now troy is the one that Mm -hmm. i remember so I really like this performance. I can't, I guess, compare it to other things I've seen him in, but it's a fantastic nomination. I love that he's here. Yeah, this is the first movie of his that I'd seen. I don't think I saw all of the number 23, the Jim Carrey movie. What is that? It's a scary movie. He like starts seeing the number 23 everywhere and he thinks it's like some sign. But I'm glad that even though he has been doing film and TV for quite a while, He's finally getting recognized with, I think, a great movie to do so. And I would say this is the most unique performance we have this year. Like, yes, he's making history alongside Marley Matlin, who had previously as the first deaf actress nominated or actor. But going from these hilarious moments to heartwarming, I think is what made the performance so memorable. And especially with that almost final scene where he's talking to his daughter telling her to go away, you know, live her own life while she's been struggling with this decision for so long. I think that's where it's solidified for me that he should have been nominated. So I'm happy that he's here. Especially because when we talked about him originally, it was like, 
we didn't know what to make of Coda. We thought that the release strategy was oh, going yeah. to really negatively impact it and he wouldn't be around. So when we had the episode and we were like, if you could give this movie one Oscar and we were both like, well, Troy's the best, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> Low and and behold. here we are. Yeah. So what would you pick for his Oscar scene? To just like keep riding this train of, you know, he's super charismatic. I would say a scene early on when he's in the doctor's office. Oh my God, we are so connected today. That's also mine. (laughs) Like, yes, you could go sappy and have him at the end. But I think where he's like showing his balls on fire and having his daughter (laughs) interpret that for him to the doctor and seeing her face, he plays the scene so well. And as like such a vulgar performance, it just hits so right that was my scene too because i think like the default answer is definitely when she is singing to him near the end Mm -hmm. i love that moment i think it's a great scene he like puts his hand on her and is able to like feel her sing it's just like oh makes me want to cry it's amazing but that scene in the doctor's office is so funny that's the point in the movie when i was like i'm gonna like this guy he's gonna be great (laughs) I wonder if we'll pick the same one for our next nominee, <laughs> Jesse Plemons, who's nominated for The Power of the Dog for playing George Burbank, Phil's brother. This is his first Oscar nomination, which is kind of crazy because he's been in so many great mm-hmm. things. This season, he was just nominated at the BAFTAs. That was his only precursor. I guess like thinking about Jesse Plemons as an actor and this performance, what do you think about this being his first nomination? I was actually shocked when they read his name. Like, yes, it showed the support for the movie, and I get it in that respect, but I wouldn't say that this is, like, his strongest performance to date. It is incredibly subtle, and he is, as a character, thrown out of the spotlight by everybody around him, and that's just the nature of the movie. But he is so subdued and, like, so secondary to Phil, to Rose... I mean, he is the guy who married into this relationship and Peter's not his real son. So I get it. But this is not my favorite work. Like thinking all the way back to Breaking Bad, like he is so memorable there. And Mm -hmm. the master, there are some other notable performances that I really like him. I mean, even last year with Judas and the Black Messiah, he has some really notable scenes. And I think we even used, I think with Lakeith's scene, I might have said where he's being interrogated by Jesse Plemons. Oh, yes. Okay, I do. This is coming back to me now. (laughs) I'm sure you feel differently. How do you feel about Jesse, his nomination in terms of his career? So I just read the book, The Power of the Dog, which was very exciting. I'm sure like no one cares about this. And I'm just telling everyone anyway. But George is a very tricky character to play, I've realized, because... It is a much quieter performance. It has to be. He's a character who kind of operates at the edges. He is very watchful. And I think that Jesse Plemons proved here that he can really succeed under like any condition. His performances will always be good. Like, do I prefer showy things like in Game Night? Or (laughs) I'm thinking of ending things even. Like, sure, Friday Night Lights. Like, he's always good. 
But I think this is a great first nomination. And I love, love, love that he's nominated alongside Kirsten. I think it's just so sweet that they were nominated together. I think what is amazing is that I I recently shared this on Twitter and we can share the link again, but I listened to an interview with him on Little Gold Men, the Vanity Fair award season podcast. And he talked a lot about the performance and his inspiration for the performance. And the most exciting thing that I heard where I like stopped on the sidewalk when I heard it was that Jane Campion told him when she like was visualizing this role in his performance that she pictured Robert Duvall as Tom Hagen in The Godfather. And I thought that was so cool mm-hmm. because that is totally what that character is doing. Like mm-hmm. he's just letting everyone else be big and bold and brash and he's making sure things run behind the scenes. But he again is like, he's very submissive. He's more passive. Like he's not the person that you think of. He's that consigliere type of character. Mm-hmm. So... I thought that was a really cool note of an inspiration for the performance. So I'm a fan. I'm happy he's here. I'm excited that really subtle work gets the attention because I think it would be easy for this character to fully blend into the background, but I think he is like a fully formed character. It gives a great performance. So what would you pick for his Oscar scene? I wanted to pick something kind of like fun and creative, like when he's reading the sauce bottle description. I think that would be hilarious if they use that. But I'm going to go with the scene when he's dancing with Rose. She's teaching him how to dance and he's like, he's not lonely anymore. And that is just like such a beautiful, heartbreaking moment. Like, it's great that they're together. But I think you also know the pain that he's gone through having Phil as a brother and also just maybe what he knows is coming in the future by Mm -hmm. bringing Rose into the fold. So I would pick that scene. We are not three for three, and I was jokingly going to pick when he's in the bathtub in the very beginning, but (laughs) there's not that much there, so (laughs) I would probably say then this scene when he's trying to get Phil to come to dinner and like tell him to shower and he can't Mm -hmm. say it. I think that's another moment where you can see him thinking and like trying to approach Phil without upsetting him, and again, this character who is appeasing so many people. That's a good scene, too. So our next nominee, we have J.K. Simmons, who plays William Frawley and Fred Mertz in Being the Ricardos. This is his second Oscar nomination. He previously won for Whiplash. And so far this season, he's only been nominated at Critics' Choice. And I would say it's because there are six nominees here. If there were five, I think he'd be out. That being said, I do like him as an actor. I think Whiplash is just such a notable role and a great first-time win. How do you feel about his nomination here or his win and how it compares to his career? It's funny. Like, this is not the same at all. And Kevin's going to laugh because we just brought up Greer Garson on the last pod. But I was listening. I've been listening to And the Runner-Up Is. And throughout history, you get actors where they win an Oscar for something really great. Like they're really, really good in the part. And then their next nomination is just absolute trash. Like with Greer, it was Mrs. Miniver to Madame Curie. Like we see this all the time with actors. This Mm -hmm. happens. And J.K. Simmons. Yeah. I mean, Whiplash is an incredible win. It's such a great win in the category. And this movie, the actors really loved. Like that's so clear, right? Nicole, Javier, J.K. Simmons all getting in. I will say, though, 
of the actors, I think he gives the best, like, downright impersonation. Like, I think Nicole is definitely going for it, and her performance, I think, is better. But he really does get William Frawley and Fred Mertz in the I Love Lucy scenes right, I thought. Like, when I when I left the movie, I thought he could get nominated because of that. And mm-hmm. I strayed away from that, of course, like, as we move through the season, but he gets the mannerisms like spot on again. Like he's a great actor. It's just an uninspired nomination in a similar way to Javier for me. Like I mentioned on the last pod, like I haven't seen, I love Lucy. So I'm not really judging these performances from being the Ricardos as impersonations. Like, yes, we've heard all the interviews and whatnot, but I think when I saw this movie, I was like, this is another performance. The Academy is just going to latch on to, And I don't know why we have so many this year that are like that, but he's just Mm -hmm. a likable actor. And he can, again, be funny like Troy and also turn it around and talk about alcoholism and be serious later on with Nicole. So I think there's the range that needed to be shown to be able to get the nomination. Yeah. And I think so much of it, too, is like Sorkin writes movies and TV shows in a way that gets actors nominations because they have key scenes where they can really Mm -hmm. perform. And I feel like he had quite a few of those opportunities. What would you pick for his Oscar scene? I would pick early on when we're in that writer's room reading through the script for the day. And it just showcases some of his like vulgarity, which works for him in such a way and maybe that's the connection to whiplash but it's his just dry humor coming through and that's something that i really like with jk as an actor what would you pick my scene that i would choose is when he's talking with vivian and lucy and he you know you get the swell of the score and he's like there's something inside a man that dies the first time a girl calls him old (laughs) It's like a little bit of humor there, but that dry sense of humor that I think works well with the character. And yeah, again, that like Sorkin writing, I feel like Mm -hmm. is good for him. I will say quickly about JK's nomination here. I feel like this is a symptom of this season being sort of another COVID season. Like without a lot of in-person events, I feel like a lot of our acting categories in particular don't have a lot of inspired picks. And I feel like if we had a season with maybe more in-person events or more people on the ground, it could have been different. But instead, I think we defaulted to a lot of the options we usually see, with the exception of a couple cases, of course. But that, I think, is what I make of being the Ricardos showing up in three of the acting categories. Next up, we have Cody Smith-McPhee, who plays Peter Gordon in The Power of the Dog. This is his first Oscar nomination. This season, he was nominated at the SAG Awards, the Critics' Choice Awards, and the BAFTAs. He also won the New York Film Critics Circle Award and the Golden Globes. And he's definitely been the frontrunner in the category with Critics' Prizes. What do you think of this nomination and of Cody Smith-McPhee's performance? He is he was nominated for Rising Star at BAFTAs as well, um, but he has been around. Well, he's our youngest nominee. He's 25. So he just hasn't had as much growth as the other actors have. But I think since I saw him in Let Me In and The Road, 
you can see how much he's grown up already and this might be bad to say but i used to always get him mixed up with freddie highmore (laughs) (laughs) but i do like what he's doing here i think when i saw the movie i was floored by how subtle like so many things in this movie he played his role and from those first moments we see him making the flowers to later on when we see him finding the rabbit dissecting it and then killing another rabbit with phil again it's this huge turnaround so having to really pick apart his role who he is what he's trying to do in protecting his mother i think was one of the most astounding things from this movie yeah i love this performance i didn't know much about cody before seeing the power of the dog which i think made his turn as peter that much more impressive and inspired and really brought the movie together for me he's the first voice that we hear in the movie he is that voiceover at the beginning about protecting his mother. And I really think that this performance, he's so quiet at the beginning and so sensitive. And he is sort of like that little paper flower that Phil burns right away. And that makes you underestimate him. And I think there's a physicality to his role that a lot of people don't talk about. I think that they just describe him as this like tall, skinny kid, but there's more to it than that. It's the way that he carries Mm -hmm. his body and the way that that changes throughout the film that I think is really, really interesting. And it's not all because of the screenplay. I think I've seen that criticism, which is just crazy to me. Like, this is a really good performance and it's very layered and very nuanced. And in order for this movie to work, yes, the Phil character has to be strong, but the Peter character, I mean, that character has to really be everything by the end. And you have to, I think, believe the performance as he becomes more confident and more curious and more sure of himself. And there, you know, he has to be a little bit creepy too. I feel like You can see Peter become more confident and you can see Cody become more confident throughout the movie. And I love, love that. And I think at the end of the movie, you know, he is the character who triumphs and he's the character you're left with and you remember. It's just, it's a really hard thing to pull off. And I I love him here. I can't see anyone else in the role. I think he's perfect for it. So I love the performance. What would you choose as his Oscar scene? Yeah, it's hard. I think this is actually, he was the person I had the hardest time with in picking a scene because I like so many, but I would pick the one, I think when he's telling Phil, when they're, they go out riding together and he tells him about his father's death and how he found his father, because I think there's so much there in that performance in his line delivery especially because I loved learning that he and Kirsten Dunst had a secret with each other that they kept throughout filming that he killed his father and when you know that and you see him Mm -hmm. in that scene it's really powerful it's so spooky (laughs) so I would pick that one what about you what I really want to see is just a version of him strutting down to the tree and back to cover girl (laughs) that's all I want to see (laughs) Because, I mean, I'm joking, but 
like you mentioned, the physicality to this performance is so important. And even just seeing this slight shift in his self-confidence as he's walking and these men are catcalling him, like, and he doesn't bat an eye. And then mm-hmm. he turns around and talks to Phil. I think that's such a huge moment for this character. So I joke, but, and I know he doesn't say anything, but <laughs> it's a great shot. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So who would your write-in vote be? I know you want me to say Bradley Cooper from Licorice Pizza. Am I going to say Bradley Cooper? TV. <laughs> we don't even know yet. But I'm just going to shock everybody. I'm dying with the one that I joked about putting in here. I'm going to say Willem Dafoe. <laughs> <laughs> Willem Dafoe for Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> Ryan, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm obsessed. <laughs> Not the card counter. Still haven't seen that. I think what he's doing here, he's playing multiple versions of an old character that he played like 10, 20 years ago. So even just bringing that back, but also adding some nuance, fighting his own mind, and then being in this new world, I think was just fascinating. And seeing him talk with Aunt May and then again, him battling himself as the green goblin <laughs> was like why not in a year like this you know sure he's better <laughs> than some of the people in our five <laughs> who would your right and vote be is it bradley it's not bradley cooper shock the world i love the performance wow. obviously um he's definitely one of my honorable mentions same with so i have a couple i'm just gonna read them because i love this category i think they had great options but they didn't go with them I would go with another honorable mention, Richard Iowati. I think that's how you say it. He is in the souvenir part too. He's excellent. He's a scene stealer. Absolutely love him. Coleman Domingo and Zola. I voted for him in Indie Spirits. But my pick is Anders Danielson Lee for the worst person in the world. For one, I wish we had more foreign language performances here, but this is definitely the one for me. I will never forget his monologue near the end. It's just so good. I think he's perfect in the role. I love mm-hmm. him. And who do you think should win? I think that Cody should win. I love Troy. And I understand like the hype for the performance because it's a really good performance. But I just would give the slight edge to Cody. I think that he has more to do. I think that he has a harder role to pull off. You know, combining the physicality with the emotion. He's like a little Anthony Perkins. I love him in this movie. I think he's great. Um mm-hmm he carries the film by the end and i just i love him he's what i remember so who do you think should win see and that is why i get him and freddie highmore confused oh from bates motel (laughs) oh my god i wow okay now it is really all coming together so i would choose troy this is a pivot for you i do like cody there's nothing wrong with that i think this is another case like in lead where we're going for legacy and I know Cody can and will get nominated again and hopefully win. So yes, this is a mix of like who I think should win and who I think should win based on the year. But I think it's such a perfect role for Troy and I'm scared that he won't find that again or maybe he will. And, you know, hopefully he'll have more opportunities now, which is amazing just because of this nomination alone. But I'm glad they've been both mixing it up this year. 
and that it is a two dog race between Cody and Troy. Because either way, I'm not going to be upset. Yeah, no, I won't either. I was just curious. I mean, I think that makes sense. Like, I was basing it on, like, performance alone. I would go with him. But, like, I completely get that reasoning for Troy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's right. And who do you think will win? I'm going to give Troy the slight edge over Cody. What about you? I'm going to give Troy the edge, too. I think that SAG was, like, the change in the tide. And I think the timing is right. And I think if you want to reward coda this is the perfect place for that Mm -hmm. and the next category we'll talk about is supporting actress our nominees here we have jesse buckley for the lost daughter ariana debose for west side story judy dench for belfast kirsten dunst for the power of the dog and anjanu ellis for king richard what do you think of this group of nominees so this isn't really saying much but i think this is like the hottest i am on any of the acting categories like I am more positive or these roles are some of my absolute favorites this year compared to one. Like I'm excited to talk about these. These are movies and performances that I really want to go back to and rewatch. Also, when I saw them, I was just so wowed. Like maybe they do all have like one scene where they kill it. But I think that they're really notable performances in their respective movies how do you feel I really like this group too I was so excited to see Jesse Buckley like when her name popped up I was like oh my god this is amazing one you get a surprise nomination and two I go back and forth whether or not I prefer her performance in The Lost Daughter or Olivia Coleman's performance in The Lost Daughter I think they're both perfect in playing this complicated woman Leda I think they just do a fabulous job Even the people we were predicting, like Ariana, Kirsten, Ingenue, I love them as well. Like, I think all three of them give great performances. I was sad about Katrina not being the one from Belfast. Like, I wanted her to be in instead of Judy, but Judy's fine. Like, I'm I'm not going to complain about it. Like, it's it's fine. And the saddest thing here, I mean, is just that Ruth Nega isn't here because... She's so good. So that, I think, is the sadness in the category for me and why I can't say, like, oh, my God, I love this category. It's so great. It would be perfect if she was here, but she's not. So we can kind of continue from... My excitement for Jessie. <laughs> yes, exactly. So Jessie, she plays a young Lita in The Lost Daughter. This is her first Oscar nomination. And this season, she was nominated at Gotham, Indie Spirits, and at BAFTA. So far, no wins, but... How do you feel like this nomination compares to other performances? I think this is a perfect first nomination. She's good in everything she's in. I loved her in I'm Thinking of Ending Things and in Wild Rose. I think she's just been proving herself over the years as this really capable, interesting performer. And I feel like her work in The Lost Daughter really showcases her abilities as an actress Essentially, what I think is challenging about her role here is that I feel like Olivia Coleman took the lead in how to develop this character. Like, it is, I think, while Olivia is doing, I mean, we, we talked about Olivia and how much we love her in this movie, Jesse kind of had to go in and study Olivia, like, as a person, as an actress, and as this new character, and to get those mannerisms totally right like that's a really really Mm -hmm. hard thing to do 
I also forgot she was in that Australian movie Beast, which I really liked that like no one mm-hmm. saw. Yeah, she has an exciting career ahead. She's in Women Talking, the movie that Frances McDormand is producing next year. So I'm excited for that. But she tackled this really tough role very well. And I think fully makes that character come to life and makes you understand like all of the older Leda's motivations perfectly. Yeah, I was going to mention Beast too. That was the first time I ever saw her on screen and she just absolutely took my breath away. I think she proved playing here in a supporting role is that she can bring a lead performance and still pack a punch like that, like from Mm -hmm. Beast. She acts so much in her face and that's why I know she's going to be around for a really long time, even in a weird movie like I'm Thinking of Ending Things which is so strange, but, like, remember when she impersonated Pauline Kale and did that, like, weird transatlantic <laughs> accent? Like, she's just really good at stuff like that. I like how she leans into these, like, indie projects, too. I feel like that's a, such a good space for her. Mm-hmm. She's such a smart actress, and maybe she's picking the right roles. Like, then also more power to her, because she's definitely been in some really great movies did you read there's a thing going around about how she played tony in west side story like in a production before which i loved because then i just imagined her and rachel being maria and tony in the steven spielberg west side story like we just bump out ansel and we put in jesse buckley in the tony role bring bring west side story to the 21st century kind of right like whatever it takes I do think, like, I, it's funny because, like, while I love the performance, like, just critiquing the movie a little, like, I don't know if you totally even need the flashback scenes for the movie to work, but having an actor like Jesse Buckley there is, like, absolutely essential to mm-hmm. making it believable. Oh, yeah. So I'm glad that she's here. And her and Olivia don't really look like each other. Mm-mm. Like, that's part of the movie is trying to understand how they're connected not literally, but like in their mannerisms and how they mm-hmm. act. And I think it's really fascinating when it all comes together. Mm-hmm. I agree. This is like maybe one of my favorite characters of the season. It's a great performance. Like she's playing an original, real, complicated woman. Like we rarely get them here. It's like biopic city. But I feel like supporting categories are where more interesting things can happen sometimes. So I'm glad that she popped in here. What would you pick for her Oscar scene? I would pick when she comes back home and she sees her daughters and her husband is there. They end up fighting again, but this is all about the performance of the mother and seeing this relationship. So I think when her daughters ask her to peel it like a snake again, she's like thrown a little aback and I love watching her react and just be with these daughters again because we've seen her with them in so many different ways at this point in the movie. So I love that. What would you pick? That's the scene I would pick too, because that's the scene where we also know that everything up to that point, right, has kind of changed for that character. Like that's when she's starting to realize how she feels even more. Mm -hmm. And it's all kind of clicking in and it's a really painful scene too. And Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love Jesse's work there, so I would pick that one. Next up, we have Ariana DeBose, who plays Anita in West Side Story. This is her first Oscar nomination so far this season. She's won the Golden Globe and the SAG Award and Critics' Choice and BAFTA. She feels like a season sweeper to me. I'll note also like Anita as 
Connor and Dylan mentioned on our West Side Story episode is one of the most winning roles. If you play Anita, you typically tend to win, whether it's a Tony or an Oscar. What did you think of Ariana's performance and maybe what she added to her portrayal of Anita? You not asking about how her performance ranks in her career is... I did that on purpose. Yes. You not (laughs) wanting me to say the prom because Mm -hmm. that is all I think about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So one, this is quite an upgrade in the character being smarter and just giving a way more powerful performance. I'll love seeing the photos of Rita next to Ariana, both of them with their Oscars. And I think what she does here, like she blew me away immediately after this movie. I was like, well, I'm sorry, Kirsten, but here we go because this was incredible. I just always have a hard time, I think, saying like a musical performance is my favorite or like the best of the year, but I feel like Ariana did add her own twist to this Anita character that definitely makes like the praise around her warranted. I love the scenes, especially with her and Maria early on in the movie. Like you just really get this like fiery nature of Anita and the care most importantly that she has for being in New York City and being an American. She's the one who is kind of the leader with everyone who's saying like, we need to speak English. Like we need to become a part of where we are now. Yeah, I love the role. So it's always hard for me to think about like, is it the role that I love? Is it the performance that I love? And usually it is more so the role, but I do think that Ariana brings a lot to the role and my favorite scene, what I would choose for her Oscar scene, it has to be part of America. She made me a believer in the yellow dress instead of the purple. (laughs) I do agree that that's, especially production design-wise, my favorite of the movie. But I'm going to go with her scene later on when she's singing A Boy Like That and confronting Maria. She sees Tony jumping out of the window And the fire in her eyes and the heart that she shows, I mean, she is just totally torn apart. She just saw Bernardo at the morgue. Like, there is nothing left. And I think what she does in these moments just, like, 100% convinced me that she was this character. Mm -hmm. The devastation in her face, like, you totally feel what she's feeling. And that is what really secured it for me and why I love this so much. You know, she's fighting Maria in this duet, and I love to see them both acting off of each other. Mm -hmm. That is such a good moment. Like, that, I remember when we saw the screening, too, I was like, oh, my God. And I almost wish, like, they would have told more of the story through Anita's perspective. I feel like that could have been a really cool twist or spin that they could have put on the screenplay because she's one of the best characters I think that we have in musical theater. And I'm just so curious about mm-hmm. like some of the decisions that she makes and just the way that she feels um, throughout this movie. But I think she does go from loving her life and loving everyone around her and wanting to be a part of America as she sings it to just being completely devastated in a very believable way. Maybe you should pitch a show to Disney Plus, make a series, involve Spielberg. (laughs) Oh my God, I would love that. They're not opposed. (laughs) Just about Anita, through everything Mm -hmm. through her perspective. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. I love that idea. Next up, Judy Dench in Belfast as Granny. This is her eighth Oscar nomination. Previously, Mrs. Brown. She won notably for Shakespeare in Love, Chocolat. 
Iris, Mrs. Henderson Presents, Notes on a Scandal, and Philomena. And so far this season, only an Oscar nomination. How do you feel about this nomination compared to her previous seven nominations and just her career? It's crazy. Yeah. I love her in Philomena first. I liked that movie. I thought it was really cute mm-hmm. and she's really good in it. I mean, she's just a legend. So we really should have stuck to our guns here and just said, like, they're going to go with Judy. The Academy loves Judy. But I do think her performance here, like, she just has just this natural charm as this veteran actor. And that's what you see in Belfast. And, like, even if you don't like the movie, I think that you can definitely, like, see that in Judy Dench. I think sometimes she's really funny in the movie, even... Maybe when the moments aren't supposed to be, but I love when she goes to the movies with Buddy. I love when she's just like kind of sitting outside in her chair, like peering around, <laughs> observing. So I think that like this is, yeah, it's like an uninspired nomination, sure. But I said this, I know, on our reactions episode, but I really think like if you love Belfast, it makes sense why you would vote for Judy Dench here because the movie ends with her. It ends with her telling the audience, it's like, go now, like something. I don't remember everything that she says, but it ends with her. And so I feel like it's easy to, when you leave the movie, to be thinking about Judy Dench, the one who gets left behind, which is really sad. Oh, yeah. She says, like, don't look back. Go Mm -hmm. on. Yes. Yes, that's right. Well, if we're talking about her other nominations, I think... Philomena, which was like a shocker that I loved it, Mm -hmm. had no idea what it was when it came out and enjoyed it. And Notes on a Scandal. That's Mm -hmm. another one of my favorite acting showcases between her and Kate. So this compared to those, like we don't get to see Judy having a fit in Notes on a Scandal. And I, I love her giving both sides, but she's almost like too frail as Granny that we only get to see her heartwarming side and these like extreme close-ups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In picking my Oscar scene, I was trying to find through the movie and it really is just like her looking out of a window most mm-hmm. of the time. Yeah. So I really struggled here. Did you pick one? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I think what would make the most sense is them playing the movie theater scene and mm-hmm. her watching Chitty Chitty Bang Bang because mm-hmm. like seeing the joy on her face in those moments is I'm assuming what inspired this movie really those mm-hmm. rose colored glasses so is there enough there probably not but I don't know show the ending I mean that's what I would pick for her it's when she's walking <laughs> away and we see the family like in that bus <laughs> And then she says that line. That's totally what I would pick. I feel like that's where she has the strongest emotional impact on the audience. (laughs) So I guess they'll just show the ending of the movie. Cut to present day Kenneth Branagh. Our next nominee, we have Kirsten Dunst, who plays Rose in The Power of the Dog. This is her first Oscar nomination, which is crazy. She hasn't won anything this season, but she was nominated at the Golden Globes, the SAGs, and Critics' Choice. I know we're both big fans of her as an actress, so how does this nomination compare to other performances for you in her career? She has had such a career. Like, I grew up with her. Mm-hmm. The first instance might have been Jumanji, but, mm-hmm. I mean, we have Spider-Man, we have even Fargo, Bring It On, like, so many notable, fun performances 
and Marie Antoinette Melancholia, like, I think that would probably be my favorite performance of hers. Like, to think this is her first nomination is just still shocking. It's insane, and I really wish she did have some wins along the way, and I was holding out so long. Even with SAG, I was like, no, come on, let's give it to Kirsten. I know. Like, this is where I wish this were a legacy for her time. Like, she finally got a nomination. Give her the Oscar already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love her. I mean, my first introduction to her was definitely Jumanji, but Bring It On was a classic for like my age group of girls growing up. Mm-hmm. Like, love her and Bring It On. Loved her in Spider Man. Like, she definitely just like has that thing where teen girls wanted to be her. Like, we grew up with her, and I feel like that's why it took the Academy so long to take her seriously and to give her a nomination, which is why I love this performance and this nomination so much. But of course, like, she's so good in Sofia Coppola movies, Virgin Suicides, but Melancholia, she should have won Best Actress for Melancholia. If the Academy was actually like a cool, organization (laughs) she would have beaten Meryl Streep for the Iron Lady I totally agree don't get me started with that I mean I have a poster of this on my wall Mm -hmm. she's literally electric and uh, it's a weird movie fine like but yeah very deserved Mm -hmm. and I just like I love her performance here as Rose because she does have she has so much to do I think at first the role when you see her you think like okay this is kind of a typical mother role Like, what, you know, what is this going to turn into? But then, like, she has so much to do in this movie. She gets to play drunk. She's incredibly vulnerable. She's fragile and delicate. Like, just like her name, right? A rose. And I think she and Benedict Cumberbatch play so well off of each other. And I love that she was able to work with Jane Campion because I know, like, she loves working with women and... She'd always looked up to Jane Campion and had always wanted to work with her. So I'm really glad that she got her first nomination from a Campion film. (laughs) What would you pick for her Oscar scene? It has to be the glove scene from later on when she gives the Native Americans the hides in exchange for these gloves. Not only is that a symbol of her son, but I think it's a great moment for her as an actress. She's breaking down. Her character has such a struggle throughout this whole movie, like, I can't imagine where she had to be mentally to be this character. And she's talked about that too. Like she didn't like going to that place. She's like, you never want to really go back and like hang out in that place where you're insecure Mm -hmm. as an actor. Like it's always really painful and really hard work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's hard to watch at times. Like when she's drunk in bed and Peter comes in, it's a little cringy, but Mm -hmm. because it feels real, what would you pick for her scene? There are so many to choose from with her, too. I think the obvious answer would definitely be, like, from something at that dinner where she's she can't play the piano all of a sudden. She mm-hmm. basically gets stage fright. But I would actually pick the scene where she's talking to Peter, and she's really drunk, and she's, like, drawing stars in the sugar mm-hmm. and talking about how stars can't be unreachable and she's describing this like valentine's box that she had and it's like it's really really sad and incredible acting from her and cody but i just feel like that shows her specificity and her emotional acuity as an actor and that's where you really get like the pain of rose and 
I learned that Jane Campion told her to just the next time she and Jesse were drinking to have him film her (laughs) so she could (laughs) see how she would behave drunk. Oh, my God. And then she could use that for Rose, which I thought was really funny. I love that. (laughs) Next up, we have Anjanu Ellis, who plays Orisine Brandy Williams in King Richard. This is her first Oscar nomination. And so far this season, she was nominated for the Golden Globe at Critics' Choice and at BAFTA and won NBR. How do you feel about her performance and how this compares to other previous performances? I love her in this. She's also wonderful in If Beale Street Could Talk, playing off of Regina King. But she's had a really long career, a great career, and she's so good in this movie. We both left this movie talking about her, and during this movie, we both were like audibly reacting to her scenes and just how charismatic of a performer she is. She also just, like, as a real-life person, seems wonderful, so down-to-earth. She's so excited about being nominated. I highly recommend listening to her on Keep It, talking to Ira Madison and Louis Vertel. It's a great interview. <laughs> but... Yeah, I love her performance here, too. I think that she steals the show. She gives my favorite performance in the movie. The more I think about the movie, the more I think about her. And, like, thinking about my Oscar scene, I almost wanted to choose the scene when Serena isn't able to practice with Venus, so she decides to train her. Mm -hmm. And it's so wonderful, like, just seeing her as a coach. But I had to go with the scene in the kitchen when she is... (laughs) confronting Richard Williams because it is just like show-stopping acting from her. Mm-hmm. You fully get this woman and you're completely on her side. I literally had the same runner-up scene to my Oscar scene because she in this movie is just astounding. You expect her to be the supporting character kind of on the wing compared to King Richard himself. And this family is not run by just him. You know, she is the other arm and such a strong arm at that for their daughters. And to see her come in, to see her pushing Serena in that scene when they're practicing, I mean, the editing also heightens that, but you can see her putting her heart and soul into also wanting her to succeed to the highest degree possible. And the kitchen scene, it's its a jaw dropper, like probably top five of the season. Had no idea that a scene would immediately make me ball like that. And just her, her power in not even being so heavy handed or yelling at him, just, you know, very serenely telling him that she would leave and she's only here for the children. Like, These are the real moments, and that's why I love this category so much this year, is we get those real women playing real women, and the writing here is great for her specifically. So I love this nomination. I'm so happy she showed up. Sad she wasn't at SAG, but seeing her celebrate for Will Smith was also a joy. Now I'm kind of like, should Anjanu win? (laughs) I mean, out of these scenes, I think she has... Okay, maybe Ariana, but I think she could have the strongest Oscar scene. Yeah. Like if they voted based on a video, if this were a bake-off and it was like night of people at the Dolby Theater would vote like who wants to be a millionaire. Oh my god, that I think would be Anjanu so fun. could win it. That's <laughs> also totally how they can improve the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> so who would your write-in vote be? 
I mean, it has to be Ruth Nega. I, mm-hmm. You mentioned her earlier. Putting her in instead of Judy would have been just an astonishing five. What she's doing against Tessa Thompson is incredible in passing. And I previously nominated this for cinematography as well, which won at the Spirit Awards. I think two just completely fascinating aspects to this movie. Mm-hmm. So I, I love Ruth, and she would definitely be my pick to like win the category. But I'll give some honorable mentions, and I'll pick a different winner since you picked her. So this is my most stacked category, so I'm just going to read through some performances that I recommend that people check out. Harriet Sansom Harris in Licorice Pizza, of course. She steals that scene that she's in, and <laughs> maybe the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Devin McDowell in Annette, who plays Annette when oh, she's geez. a human. Charlotte Rampling in Benedetta, who I just, I love this performance mm-hmm. so much. Sanaya Sidney in King Richard, Tilda Swinton in The Souvenir Part 2, Mia Wasikowska in Bergman Island, I promise I'm almost done, and Park U Rim in Drive My Car. Those would be my picks, but my write-in vote is going to be a tie between Ann Dowd and Martha Plimpton in Mass. <laughs> <laughs> I list all of these performances and then I'm just going to go with the mass ladies. I hate that they were just overlooked this entire season. And Dow did get a BAFTA nomination, but they both deserved Oscar nominations. They should both be here. Even mass missing screenplay at the spirits was like, oh my God, not another loss. I know. Yeah. And who do you think should win? I think Kirsten should win. I feel like it, I usually don't love the, like, it's time for her to win an Oscar thing but I mean she's had just such a a wonderful career so far and this is just I think the perfect role for her to win her first Oscar Mm -hmm. and usually with actresses it comes later for a role that isn't so great and this is a really good role for her and I think we get to see all the facets of her as a performer so I would pick her this just got so hard now I want Anjanu to win (laughs) I know I like Ingenue is very tempting. I have to say, I would scream if she won. Actually, that would be so so fun. It'd be amazing. Yeah. Like, who should win based on legacy? Obviously, Kirsten. Who should win based on like the best surprise nomination? It's Jesse Buckley. I mean, you don't have to pick one. I just gave like ten write-in votes. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say I think Kirsten should win too. I still really want it to happen. I love that. And who do you think will win? And I think my answer there is only partly because I think Ariana is going to win. Like you said, she swept the season so far and it is a deserved win. You know, if we're looking at the Cody Troy argument, this is basically the same thing. We have a younger, newer actress compared to somebody who's been around since our childhood. But I do think that Ariana steals the show and is totally the most memorable moment of West Side Story. Oh, I forgot to mention Mike Feist. I almost said him just to add into your list, but I didn't. He's, yeah, he's on my list. Add him to the honorable mentions, that big list. (laughs) I think Ariana will win too. Like she's, she's swept the season so far and I think she's going to keep going and win the Oscar. Mm -hmm. Well, that is all of our acting categories. We are getting so close to the Oscars. Yeah, I'm excited to see how the rest of the season shakes out. And I love talking about these two categories today. And I'm excited to get through the rest of our Contender series. We are almost done and almost at the Oscars. We're so close. Next time, we'll be going over the remaining below-the-line categories. So we have documentary feature, documentary short film, 
film editing, live action, short film, and sound. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Oscar Wilde Pod. If you like our show, please rate, review, and subscribe. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. Thank you.